0: Welcome to The Gangster, book six in the Galactic Football League series, written and performed by Scott Sigler. The Gangster is suitable for ages 12 and up and contains graphic violence. The Gangster is also available as a signed, numbered, limited edition hardcover while supplies last. To order, go to scottsigler.com slash store. And sweet cuddly krakens, we have news. Well, oh, you've never heard a nerd lose his crap before because you're about to hear it right now. If you pre ordered the gangster hardcover, you should have the free ebook of the gangster in your box. What's in the box? We sent it right in your box. And don't lie to me. It feels good in your box. I know it does. We emailed that bad boy out on Friday, February 5th. If you ain't got it, check Yon email. Make sure it is the email you used when you ordered the hardcover after checking that email address and please please check that first including the spam folder because we're just a couple of small town pizza lawyers and we there's only two of us we can only react so fast make sure you find that email address check that email folder before you contact us, after you have confirmed you do not have the ebook that you are entitled to because you pre ordered the hardcover, well, then by all means, email info at emptyset.com and we will get to the bottom of this plot. We will find the culprit and they will pay. Now, the fact that the ebook is out, that means that the gangster hardcover is coming real, real, real soon. We don't know when exactly. We don't promise that stuff anymore, but it is in layout. The printer is ready to go, and I have already sacrificed three goats, two rabbits, and a blue-footed booby named Bob to the publishing gods. So daggummit, this is a lock. This is a stone cold lock. Just hold on. You've been very patient. Just hold on for a little while longer and you will have your hardcover. And that also means, oh my God, that the full-length audiobook, unabridged, so swollen and turgid, it leaks audio all about the place. It is in review at audible.com. And that bad boy could be up at any moment. Hell, it could be up already by the time you hear this. I don't know. And also, if you did not pre-order the gangster hardcover... And you want that ebook? You got two choices. Choice one: pre-order the friggin' hardcover, and you're gonna get the ebook for free, toot sweet. Right now, boom, dead done. Just go to scottsigler.com slash thegangster One word: pre-order the book, and whammo, you get an ebook slapped about your face and your midriff, and that ain't bad, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, choice two. Uh, it should be up. The ebook should be up at Amazon.com for Kindle at any moment. And hell, it could be up right now for all I know. It is submitted. When it goes live, it goes live. It is out of our control right now. As for Nook and the other ebook formats, it is submitted. They take a little while longer, but it will go live. When it goes live, we can't control it anymore. That was a gosh darn nerdgasm, and I am spent. Now, Let's get back to the podcast of GFL Book 6, The Gangster. We are 10 episodes in. I'll get you caught up on the story so far, and then it's story time. I gotta go have a drink and a smoke and a nap, because I'm spent. Previously on The Gangster. While at Doc Gonagotti's clinic in New York City on planet Earth, Quentin, Becca, and Chodo narrowly avoided an assassination attempt. Chodo was severely wounded. Fred spirited them away from the danger, but who was behind the attack? Was it Greedock the Splithead come to take Quentin out once and for all? And if it wasn't, who is out to kill Quentin? Find out next on The Gangster, episode number 10. Recovery. Call request from Union Bureau of Investigations Inspector Claude Demain. The Hypatia's voice brought Quentin out of his days. He was once again in his favorite spot in the Hypatia, sitting with Becca on the salon couch, still trying to calm down. Her solid body leaning against him helped, but he felt so tense, so wired. Impossible to relax, really, considering how close he and Becca, and Chodo, had come to death. Who was behind the attack? The Zoroastrian Guild, with or without the influence of the Abernesia? Anna Volani, some other team owner? The Kretorakian Ministry of Religion, perhaps because they learned the truth about the COQB's pre-schism size? Or maybe it was someone who wanted revenge for Jonathan Sandoval's death. Hell, maybe Greedock was behind it. Maybe the Kraken's owner had finally learned the full extent of Quentin's injury and was ready to settle old scores once and for all. Dr. Ganagati. She hadn't deserved to die like that. How had the assassins known Quentin would be at Randall Hospital? Supposedly, only Ganagati, Fros, Chodo, Becca, and Fred had known about the trip. A few doctors and nurses knew, obviously, but they learned of his presence only hours before his arrival. Were any of them connected to the ZG? Was a few hours' notice enough time to call in assassins? Frost knew, yet so did his assistant, Wycor the Aware. The worker had known about the trip weeks in advance, had provided Fred with the Hypatia's fake registration. Had Leba the Gorgeous known as well? Wycor and Leba helped Frost with so much. Could one of them have ratted out the trip to whoever it was that wanted Quentin dead? I repeat, Call request from... Declined, Quentin said. Tell the inspector to send contact requests through the GFL. Understood. Becca, stirred next to him, brushed a stray hair out of her face. You aren't going to talk to the police? I'm not, Quentin said. As far as I know, some of them could be involved. Even off-season players were covered under the GFL's diplomatic immunity status, which stated... The players couldn't be held or questioned against their will unless there was clear, visual evidence that the individual was a felony suspect. Security footage would undoubtedly show that Quentin, Becca, and Shoto had been victims, not perpetrators. Yes, the three of them were witnesses, but Quen was going to keep his mouth shut. The more people he talked to, the more he was at risk. The more Becca was at risk. Choto had almost died for Haiwan's sake. Fred had whisked them away from the coffee shop before the police got organized enough to start detaining people. The nearby hospital, Fred found, turned out to be the Yegorov Orbital Medical Center. Any orbital station was more secure than a teeming mass of sentients like New York City. Yegorov was known for protecting famous patients like actors, politicians, captains of industry, and... In this instance, sports figures recently caught up in a lethal assassination attempt. Quentin and Becca had wanted to stay with Chodo, but Fred insisted they return to the Hypatia, which was now protected by a Planetary Union cruiser, the PUV Victory. It spoke to Froese's power and, perhaps, to Quentin's importance that a warship had been temporarily tasked with keeping Quentin safe. The Hypatia was well within the Victory's no-fly zone. Anyone trying to get at Quentin here would face a world of problems. I don't see how the police could be in on it, Becca said. Seems paranoid, but considering what we've been through lately, maybe paranoia should be our steady state of mind. She seemed distant. Maybe Chodo's brush with death, or the gunfire or even the knife-wielding nurse, had disturbed her more than Quentin realized. Incoming call from Frederico. Quentin sat up. Put him on. Fred's face appeared in the salon's holotank. Fake mustache, peppered with gray. New York policeman's uniform. Nice stash, Becca said. Very convincing. Real human hair. Fred ran his fingers over it. That's the trick. UBI keeps calling me, Quentin said. Are they in charge now? Fred nodded. They took over the case, mostly because of pressure from Fros, I think. I don't have any info yet. The UBI is keeping a tight lid on things. Inspector Claude Domain is in charge. He's the one that keeps trying to reach me. He's supposed to be good, but the trail is already cold, Fred said. I wish you'd left an attacker alive. I told you, I didn't kill anyone. This time, anyway. The kick of the pistol. Sandoval falling. Quentin rubbed his face, tried to chase away the memory of ending that man's life. Yeah, about your guardian angel, Fred said. No info on her either. She had a biometric jammer. All footage of her is blurred. That's some high-grade tech. Whoever she is, she's a big-time operator. An operator who had saved Quentin, Becca, and Shoto. Why? Yet another unanswered question. All three assassins lived in New Jersey, Fred said. That's an area close to New York. Long rap sheets. No known association with large organizations. From what I could gather on short notice, they've never even been off-planet. They were local thugs, not intergalactic hitmen. Hiring locals makes it harder to trace back the source of the hit. You find some decent talent, give them a chunk of change. They do the job, no questions asked. I'll stay down here for a few more hours, a day at the most, then I'll come back up. There had been a time when Quentin would have tried to tell Fred how to do his job. Not anymore. Quentin trusted the man's judgment. Stay safe, Quentin said. Sugar pants, I'm always safe. How's Chodo? He's okay, Becca said. He's scheduled to be released from Yegorov tomorrow. A military escort will bring him back to the Hypatia. Fred smiled. Well, that's a relief. I hope it doesn't ruin his season. That's the same leg you hurt in the playoffs, right? Yeah, same one, Becca said. We don't know the long-term damage yet. The bullet severed an artery and he lost a good chunk of leg muscle. A limb could only take so much trauma before performance suffered. In the GFL, even a tiny drop in performance could mean the difference between being a Tier 1 starter and a Tier 3 bench warmer. Eight months until the 2687 season. Would Chodo recover in time? Could the injury end his gridiron career? There's more bad news, Fred said. Quentin felt Becca's fingers slide through his. Their hands clasped tight. Go ahead. Six dead in all, Fred said. The three attackers, Ganagati, a nurse, and one security guard. Six dead. Quentin hadn't been friends with Ganagati, but he'd respected her, respected her integrity. She hadn't been swayed by threats. She'd done what she thought was right. Like Quentin... She had excelled at her job, reached the top of her field. And now she was gone. Because of him. Since we're at earth, Becca said, is it safe to see my parents? Longing in her voice. She hadn't seen them in months. They lived in Wisconsin, home of her Tier 3 team, the Packers. Fred shook his head. Now is not a good time. Oh, I see. Becca couldn't hide her disappointment. Are they okay? They're fine, Fred said. I have people watching them. Quentin's eyebrows went up. You do? Of course, Fred said. The scumbags who want you dead might be willing to use Becca to get leverage on you, which means they might be willing to use Becca's parents to get leverage on her. If either of you visit them, that draws attention their way, and that's not good. Becca sighed. I suppose that makes sense. I've had people watching over them since the touchback bombing, Fred said. Just to be sure. Quentin didn't know if he should be annoyed or impressed. Am I paying for this? Fred shook his head. Do you even look at the invoices I send you? Quentin did not. Since his last contract, money had been the least of his worries. I also increased security on Janine, Fred said. I told her to get off INF." As long as she's involved with John, she's safe from Greedock, but if you can't play football anymore and her relationship with John falls apart, trust me, Greedock will go after Janine. I won't let anything happen to her. Fred and Janine's time together as Portath trainees had deepened their already strong friendship. Fred was closer to her than Quentin was, by far. Quentin needed to spend more time with his sister, but when? There was always too much going on. Thank you," Quentin said. Fred nodded. "I got your back, Barnes. I'll return to the Hypatia soon." The holotank went blank. Six dead, six sentient lives snuffed out because of him. Those deaths aren't your fault," Becca said. As usual, she seemed to read his mind. "I'm not sure about that. Hokor, Kopor, Ganagati, Chodo, all the others." I don't know how much more of this I can take. She squeezed his hand. Who would be next? He was the target, yet other sentience kept getting caught in the crossfire. If something happened to Becca because of him, how could he live with himself? B, I know you shot down the idea before, but I think we should split up. A pause. She stared at him. Maybe that phrase doesn't mean what you think it means his own words registered. Oh, oh, not split up, split up. I mean, we should be in separate places for a while. Whoever came after me will try again. I don't want you getting hurt. Becca sat up straighter. She let go of his hand, folded hers in her lap. We have to look at things in a different way now, she said. It's, uh, it's not just about you and me anymore. Of course it's not. Chodo's hurt. Fred's looking into things, which means he's in danger. Fred has got guards watching your parents and Janine. Then there's Ma Tweedy to think of, and that's not what I mean," Becca said. "I have something to tell you." He waited. Her eyes shone like wet steel. And that something is," she smiled sweetly. "I'm pregnant, Quentin Barnes. You're going to be a father." A thousand emotions erupted, swirled, a feeding frenzy fighting for dominance. You're You're pregnant? She nodded. I am. The thrill and the rush. Instant guilt. He shouldn't have had sex before marriage. This was High One's punishment. Elation. Pure, unadulterated fear. He wasn't ready to be a father. How did this happen? She kissed his temple. A little late for a talk about the birds and the bees, don't you think? No, he said laughing and embarrassed by her joke. I mean, how did you find out? My exam at Randall Hospital. They test for everything, including pregnancy. That's how they found our baby. Our baby. Two words that further stirred his inner turmoil. This couldn't be happening. This was happening. I came to your exam room to tell you right away, but you were so upset about your arm, Becca said. Then the attack and Ganagadi and Chodo and coming back to the Hypatian, well, I thought it was best to wait until we knew for sure about Chodo and until Fred reported in. Quentin's chest tingled, his face felt hot. Looks like our first time was the charm, Becca said. If all goes well, our due date is January twenty-third. January, that's only seven months away. Isn't nine months normal? Becca kissed his nose. Normal for a human woman, she said. Heavy G-gestation is closer to six months. That heavy G-human hybrids are usually delivered in about seven months. They sat silent for a moment. All that senseless death, Becca said. All that tragedy. And yet, in the midst of it, we learn about a new life. A new life that was part him, part her. January 23rd, Quentin said. That's three weeks into preseason. One week before the first regular season game. Becca nodded. I'll miss this year. I can't exactly compete for a job if I'm seven months pregnant. His all-pro fullback, out for the season. Quentin pinched the bridge of his nose. He was worried about how this would impact football? Was the game his only true priority? He had to get his head straight. Q, are you all right? Concern, in her words and also trepidation. He wasn't acting the way she'd hoped he would act. I'm great, he said, and smiled. This is amazing. We're going to be parents. She hugged him fiercely. you will be a great father. But would he? He'd never even met his own father. How could someone be a good dad if he had no example? I have no idea how to raise a kid. We'll figure it out. But there's something you need to know. She held his shoulders, looked straight into his eyes. Ours is a mixed-species child, half-human, half-heavy G. There's a chance I won't be able to bring the baby to term, a chance that we'll lose it. Lose it? He'd only just learned about it. We've got money, he said. We'll get the best doctors. Of course we will. Our money's an advantage that most mixed-species couples don't have. It'll help. A lot. A lot. Kind of makes all the damage we took on the field even more worth it, don't you think? Quentin glanced at his right hand, at the missing pinky. All the pain he dealt with, the concussions. He had endured so much, and for that he was rich beyond measure. He and Becca could easily afford the best care available. But what if money wasn't enough? She caressed his face. Just relax for now. Just breathe let's enjoy this moment. They leaned back into the couch. She rested her head against his shoulder. With one hand, he slowly stroked her hair. With the other, he made small circles on her belly. In there, a new life was growing. Part him, part her.
2: And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream.
1: So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Options. Greedock closed his petty palp hand, shutting off the Palm Ups broadcast news clip. He sat in silence. His chamber was so quiet that, even from atop his pedestal, he heard Virex's heart beating three meters below. Assassins had targeted Barnes. Again. Greedock fidgeted in his throne, unable to get comfortable. He'd watched multiple reports about the Randall Hospital attack. He struggled to control his rage. Another attempt on the life of his property. Intolerable. If anyone was going to kill Quentin Barnes, it would be Gredok the splithead. Not J.T. Maness, not Anna Vellani, not Gloria Ogawa, not Karani Kolak, and not the Zoroastrian Guild. Who was behind this latest attack? First the touchback bombing, now this blatantly public attempt on Barnes. Gredok was losing face. He had to do something, soon, or rivals and underlings alike would think he was slipping. More attacks would come, and not just on Barnes. Missal! The worker slid through the double doors, into the dark chamber.
2: Yes, Shemakath? I must know everything about this attack on Barnes. Who do we have available?
0: Missal paused, thinking.
2: Wakon Reed is still investigating the touchback bombing, the worker said. He spends most of his time in the Sol system. Might the two investigations overlap?
0: Quite logical to assume the same culprit was behind both attacks. And yet, Greedock's instincts told him something else was going on, that the two incidents weren't related. Still, Earth and Jupiter weren't Greedock's territory, and his options
2: were limited. Send word to Reed that he is to investigate this as well. If I may, Shamikath, you have him investigating the Touchback incident as well as the Vermada, the Zoroastrian Guild subsect. Adding to his docket might dilute his efficiency.
0: wakon Reed still had contacts in the Union Bureau of Investigations. Now was not the time to leave such fields fallow.
2: I need to know what the UBI knows about this, Greedock said. Do as I told you, and put him on it. Tell Reed I will provide him with a bonus if he produces actionable information. Yes, Jammacath.
0: Missal usually slid out of the chamber as quickly as he slipped in. But this time, he stayed in place. After a century of working together, the leader knew the mannerisms of his number one underling.
2: You have a suggestion, Greedock said. One I will not like. If you wish to discover who is behind this attack, may I suggest also engaging the services of an operative who is close to Barnes?
0: Greedock's willpower slipped. He felt Black swirl across his cornea. Had Masal spent the afternoon in a gin joint?
2: Gonzaga,
0: the leader said.
2: You think I should hire him? I would rather see him devoured alive by Shushaliks.
0: Masal's petty
2: palp hands slid his antennae back. Your anger towards Gonzaga is valid and proper. He has twice wronged you. Forgive my insolence, for I know you would not forget, but Gonzaga is also responsible for John Tweedy being a kraken. John has been an exemplary member of your team.
0: Greedock leaned back in his throne. What Masal said was true and could not be ignored. Years ago, Tweedy had been hopelessly in love with a human female that insisted he demand a trade to Wabash. The subtle efforts of Wolfpack owner Gloria Ogawa at work. Tweedy, as gullible as he was violent, had been willing to make that foolish sacrifice. Greedock had hired Gonzaga to find dirt on the female. Gonzaga delivered. When Tweedy learned of the woman's sordid past, he ended the relationship and, subsequently, ceased demanding a trade. Greedock had, of course, put out a contract on Tweedy's former love interest. She needed to be made an example to others. Gonzaga caught wind of the contract, spirited the woman away to who knew where. Greedock's people still hadn't tracked her down. Gonzaga had defied Greedock's wishes. Had the human bragged about that, publicized it in any way, Greedock would certainly have had him killed, but Gonzaga kept quiet. The human was no pushover. Any effort to take him out would make him an enemy, a dangerous one. As long as Gonzaga stayed clear of Greedock's spheres of influence, the leader allowed him to live. Then came Gonzaga's second offense. Greedock had, at great expense, hired an actor to portray Barnes' male progenitor. Barnes complained day and night about being an orphan, mewling about the father he never met, and so on. Greedock's false parent gave Barnes solace. The actor helped Greedock subtly guide Barnes into taking a contract with the Krakens, a contract that was worth far less than the quarterback's true marketplace value. Barnes stopped whining. Greedock signed him to a long-term deal at a bargain price. Everyone came out a winner. Barnes, had even been grateful to Greedock, had started to show Greedock the kind of respect a Shamakath deserved. It all fell apart when Gonzaga found Barnes's sister, Janine Carbonaro, and then exposed the fatherly ruse. Barnes' relationship with Greedock had never been the same. Greedock had wanted blood. He'd been in the process of issuing a contract on Gonzaga when he'd learned that Barnes had hired Gonzaga to be Janine's bodyguard. As the sister of a starting GFL quarterback, she would constantly be at risk from other owners who wanted to manipulate Barnes. For all of Gonzaga's faults, he was an exceptional operative. If Barnes was willing to pay him to watch Janine, that was one less expense Greedock needed to incur. Gonzaga had offended but he also saved Greedock money and protected against anyone interfering with Barnes. A worthwhile exchange. In the world of business, these things happened.
2: It is one thing to leave Gonzaga be, Greedock said, but to work with him, that is another thing altogether.
0: Missal stared up, his cornea swirling with thin curls of pink. The worker feared giving his opinion, but he was giving it anyway because he thought it was the best way to serve his leader.
2: Gonzaga is traveling with Barnes, Massal said. My sources say Gonzaga is in New York City, investigating the Randall Hospital attack. He may already have key information. He wants to protect Barnes. I believe it is possible to pool Gonzaga's resources with yours.
0: Massal took one step backward. He'd finished his pitch. Greedock turned in his throne, glanced to the base of his pillar. Vyrak, he said,
2: what are your thoughts regarding Gonzaga? We should kill him,
0: the warrior said from his shadowy alcove.
2: Gonzaga disrespected you. However, I will admit that when it comes to finding information, Gonzaga is among the best in the galaxy.
0: The reveal of Barnes's fake father was evidence enough of that. What was more important? Refusing to work with an operative who had defied Greedock's wishes or finding out who had the audacity to attack Greedock's property.
2: saul reach out to Gonzaga, Greedock said. Tell him I wish to speak.
0: You have been listening to The Gangster, book six in the Galactic Football League series, written and narrated by Scott Ziegler. Follow Scott on Instagram and Twitter, where he is at Scott Ziegler, one word, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Scott Ziegler. For more information on the Galactic Football League series and for more free audiobook podcasts, visit scottsigler.com. The Gangster was directed by A. Sigler, engineered by Steve Rickyberg. copyright 2020, Empty Set Entertainment. Theme music is the song, They're Watching Me, by the band Super Weapon.
1: Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice